When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 33 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast with me, Sean Barker. And me, Sam Davis. Well, here we were last week anticipating another hull of a show. However, it didn't quite prove to be the case, did it, Sam? No, it really didn't. And on this week's episode, there's going to be a slight twist with how we're going to do things. We'll explain more in a bit. But for now, here's what's coming up in this week's show. As ever, we'll bring you a considered approach from our reporter, Michael Dunn, who was on hand to bring us the lowdown as Cherries went down 3-1 to the Tigers. They were great! And we were shambolic, Sean. Uh, Let's just leave it at that. I'm sure that's what you're going to say, right? Anyway, straight afterwards, we'll have your views as well as the media reaction, along with your song choices too. We'll then discuss the game, but... This weekend, I had a nightmare with TV coverage, and Sam, you were at a wedding, but I take it you have watched the goals back, right? (laughs) Uh, Well, there lies the twist. Uh, No, I haven't, Sean. So I'm going to be watching the highlights as we go this week, and it'll actually be the very first time I've seen the debacle unfold. And warning, there may be swearing, there could be obscenities, but... I take it you've got the bleep machine ready, right? Beep, beep, beep. Oh, yeah, it might be a little bit behind the words, but we'll see how we go. Now, after we've talked about that as quickly as we can, um, we will be revealing the results of our retro shirt poll. So thank you so much for everyone who got involved. We had a sack load of votes came in through our website, and we're going to be counting down the shirts in order from 10 down to 1. Oh, I cannot wait for that. And I've always wanted to be Bruno Brooks as well. After that, we'll preview and predict Bournemouth's next Premier League tussle. Who knows how this will go? And it's against Watford on Saturday. But we'll kick off the show this week by handing over to our match reporter, Michael Dunn, who painstakingly and painfully summarises our collapse at the KCOM. Our changing cherries away form has been patchy at best this season and it was no different on Saturday as we went down by three goals to one after another anemic performance at relegation threatened Hull City. After last week's rage-inducing exit from the FA Cup, Eddie hung his hat on the league taking priority and named what appeared to be our best available team for the fixture on Humberside. With captain Simon Francis suspended and Nathan Aki returning to the Chelsea reserves, Tyrone Mings finally made the first Premier League start of his career almost 18 months after injuring his anterior and cruciate ligaments. Adam Smith returned to right back and Jack Wilshere came back into the side after missing the last league game against his parent club Arsenal. The afternoon could not have started much better for Bournemouth, although I'm beginning to suspect there is some kind of football curse cast when we score inside the first five minutes. 
With less than three on the clock, Ryan Fraser exchanged passes with Jack Wilshire before he was brought down inside the area by panic-stricken Harry Maguire. Referee Martin Atkinson rightly pointed to the spot, and with Callum Wilson on the bench and Charlie Daniels too far away to get to the ball first, Junior Stanislas took on the responsibility, calmly sending Eldin Jakubovic the wrong way to send the 1,026 away fans into delirium. Almost 30 minutes of complete dominance by the Cherries followed, but Hull defended well and in numbers to limit the number of clear-cut chances to a minimum. Harry asked drew an excellent save from Jakubovic, and after Tyrone Mings hoofed the ball out of defence, Benikafobe stole past a hesitant Michael Dawson to find himself clean through on goal. Unfortunately for Benik, and for us, Jakubovic came out swiftly and the Bosnian was too close to the ball as our number nine attempted to double our lead, his shots twice hitting the goalkeeper. Soon after, it began to look as if our all-energy approach to the opening stages was taking its toll as Hull gained control of the ball and the match, a situation that was not to be reversed again. On 32 minutes, Tom Huddleston played a clever cross-field ball to release Andy Hunter on the cherry's right. The defender then sent in a sweet delivery which, with Arthur Boritz hesitating and Tyrone Mings out of position, was met a yard out by Abel Hernandez. After an interval spent with their new manager Marcos Silva, Hull continued the second half much as they had ended the first, as did the Cherries, who continued to look disjointed and listless, a shadow of the side that begun the game. Instead of keeping things tight until we were able to find a way back into the contest, we yet again conceded a crucial goal soon after half-time. Robert Snodgrass, who had impressed for the home side throughout, found Abel Hernandez and the Uruguayan claimed his brace in style, curling a left foot shot inside Boris's far post as Ming backed off to allow the forward space to pick his spot. Eddie had by now seen enough and threw on Josh King and Callum Wilson for Benicophobia and Ryan Fraser soon after the Tigers took the lead. These changes made little difference however as Bournemouth remained short on ideas and lacking any discernible spark. Even Jack Wilshire appeared to have mislaid his magic hat with both left and right foot passes from the England man going astray more often than not. On 62 minutes we fell further behind to the team that begun the day bottom of the Premier League table. Adam Smith, who had just been booked for a needless foul on Sam Klukas, walked the line with referee Atkinson when he then vented his palpable frustration on best pal Ryan Mason. Atkinson issued Smudger with a warning only, but from the resulting free kick, the ball bounced to Tom Huddleston, whose volleyed effort deflected off Ming's chest past the helpless Boritz. There was still half an hour of the contest to play, and we awaited the throwing of the kitchen sink by the Cherries in an attempt to get something from the game. Sadly, this never materialised, as a combination of tightly packed and well-organised home defence and lacklustre football from Bournemouth limited us to a Wilshire attempt straight at Jakubovic, and, after a foul in the area by Mason or Mark, who had been ignored by Atkinson, Jack's rising effort was tipped over by the City goalkeeper. The game then petered out to its woeful conclusion, and, with goals being conceded by the bucket load and important games barrelling over the horizon, the Cherry Nation is hoping that our season is not about to do the same. Michael Dunn there with the match report and you can follow him on Twitter as ever at all departments. Now shortly we're going to be hearing the views of Cherry's fan Mike, Hull City Tigers fan Will, I know I hate that as well, just Hull City will do, AFCB TV's Matt and also from the media Phil Thompson from Sky Sports and Danny Murphy from Match of the Day and to accompany those we always like a little sing-song and loads of suggestions were pouring in on Twitter over the weekend on Saturday afternoon and into Sunday. Paul Kenwood, song for the day is We've Gotta Get Out of This Place by The Animals. Mr Tiggs Tony on Twitter says, Going for the Vindaloo score more than you method. It worked for Paul Kenwood on Football Manager 2009. Private joke, boys. Anyway, AFCB Dad came up with three is the magic number. Yes, it is. Uh, no, it ain't. But Eddie will find a way. Mm, I hope he does. Cockbeard on Twitter. Hull means the House Martins. At 3.05, happy hour. 4 o'clock, it was anxious. 4.40, the world's on fire. And then 5.30, get up off our knees. What a compilation that would have been. Andy Moore. If you want something different, it happens every time by Ultra Vivid Scene. It sums us up defensively at the moment. Ugh, too right, Andy. But the winner this week is Matt Hill saying the tune has got to be anything by garbage. Or we went for his second suggestion, which was James Brown with The Payback. And Hull certainly did that. Hey! 
Hi, this is Mike from Alderholt. On the way back, or just got home from the City of Culture. Another embarrassing pantomime performance. Players and management should take a hard look at themselves and decide whether they deserve their wages this week. Most of our team um, haven't played for two weeks. Hull have played three times in a week, and you would have thought we were the bottom team of the league. Time for the same patronising platitudes from Eddie, Eddie to stop. Time for the hard work to begin. In all seriousness, though, lads, um, Bournemouth fans, well done for your sport because there was a massive, there was a massive amount of you, and I, I know how it tra- I know how it feels to travel all the way down. So your two travelled all the way up and lose, and having to travel all the way back. So well, well done for that, guys, and yeah. And it's happened once again. We've conceded another three goals. But this time, it's against Hull, bottom of the table. New manager, Marcus Silva, has done his team good. Got them off, well, not off the bottom of the table, I don't think. Another depressing day for Bournemouth once again. Um, and I believe um, from from the game and what I've heard, it's all my blame goes down to Mings. The fault for all three goals, you tell me Mings has been was the fault in the defence today, not catching up with players. This coming from after three minutes, gave away a sloppy penalty. Harry Maguire just sticking out a lazy leg on Ryan Fraser, penalty kick, and you'd think that would demoralise them. In fairness, it did for quite a while. (laughs) And it was... It, so it took a lot for them to get back into it because Bournemouth were just bossing the game. They, as we know, they keep the ball for fun. They had a phobia up front. So they had plenty of midfield, plenty of good quality players. You're thinking, how are they going to get back into this hole? So it did take a lot of sort of cajoling to keep them going. He kept seeing Marco Silva on the touchline, just trying to edge the players. They rested everybody for the cup game last week, ready for this game. Couldn't tell that in the <laughs> performance. Um, and the way they've capitulated in games that I've seen recently, defensively, is, is a real worry moving forward. I know they're in a decent position, yeah. but they've got to stop conceding goals so easily. They're too easy to play against. So three definitely is the magic number. It's not been great for AFC Bournemouth and not been magic for us. And 3-1 at the KCOM. And what an upsetting day it was for AFC Bournemouth fans. Not just the ones at the stadium, but ones around the globe. Well, especially in New Zealand. Well, I'll cut to the chase. You, Sean, <laughs> what happened? What happened? Oh, I love it. I love Twitter. I am. I, I, I become Mr. Angry on Twitter. <laughs> any issues i'm on there if this was like 20 years ago i'd have been writing into the editor of the local newspaper all the time but uh man quick moan bn sports they the the massive right they've come out of i think they come out of dubai don't they and they got keys richard keys and Addie gray and all that they bought they bid they bid for the rights to uh australia to show the premier league and when they bid for that they also were like, oh, and well, New Zealand's next door, so we might as well bid for that as well. They didn't win Australia, but they won New Zealand. And it kind of, reading journals and things about it, it turns out that like, they didn't really want New Zealand because you know there's 123 of us that watch it. Not quite, but you know what I mean. Anyway, and it, they were like, oh, yeah, oh, uh, looking on a map. Where's New Zealand? Quick. So they, long story short, they said they were offering the, you know, you're every game live, you can watch it on demand, whatever, which is what we had previously with what's called Premier League Pass. So last year, I could watch every game, either get up in the night and watch it live or get up first thing in the morning, no result known, watch it as if it's live. This year, ah, oh, shambolic. So 8.30pm Sunday night was when Bournemouth and Hull were being shown for the first time. So we've avoided the score all morning, haven't watched anything at all phones away turn the tv on at 8 30 to watch it 
it's already 21 minutes in. We're 1-0 up. And, I'm well, something happened as I was watching, which we can talk about. But, ah, man, it's rubbish, rubbish. I love the way that people react on Twitter. It's always an overreaction, and it's trying to get as many angry, powerful words into 140 characters. It's very difficult. But <laughs> I was actually, I was actually in the same boat, somewhat, Sean. Uh, well, I couldn't actually watch the game because I was at a wedding. I was a best man, and I only could follow the game through Twitter. And uh, we were all sat around the table having our dinner and there were some Bournemouth fans there. And uh, yeah, there were a few cheers earlier on, but then they soon, well, everyone came very disgruntled. And I actually put a tweet out saying, is it worth me watching these? And Mike Brannan sort of got back to me and said, first 20 minutes, yeah, but after that, you know, just don't bother. So (laughs) as yet, Sean, I have not seen any of the goals. And we're going to do something special on this show, aren't we? Where we're going to do a James Bond and synchronise watches, which is very difficult considering you're in New Zealand, but we'll give it a go, eh? Yeah, so here's the plan, listeners. So we've both got the highlights loaded up online, ready to watch. There is some kind of like split-second delay on our Skype feed, but we're going to overcome that. We did a very scientific test before we started recording. I said now... Sam put his finger in the air. We did it three times. I've calculated the time it took for Sam's finger to go in the air. So that's how much delay I put on pressing play. And we're just going to talk you through what we're using the term highlights, but we might use that a bit loosely. But let's just watch back and you can listen along with us as we experience Hull City versus AFC Bournemouth. Here we go, Sam. So hit play in... So I'm going to say one, two, three. When I say three, you hit it on three. Okay. Okay. I've got it. We're not going to do that paper, scissors, stone, rock, paper, scissors thing where it's like, is it on three or is it after three? It's on three. Okay. So it's on three, but then that means I press on four. Anyway, we'll see how this goes. So one, two, three. 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 Okay. I'm playing. Me too. Okay. Have you got it? The you teams, got it your teams are well, walking yeah. out. Yeah, they certainly are. Oh, in our blue kit. So that was a nice change, I thought, from the ghost green, eh? Yeah, I love the love the blue kit. And seeing as I've invested in Lewis Cook being on the back of my blue shirt, I'm hoping I see him in the, in the shirt soon. So Marco Silva, new manager, first Premier League game in charge. And first bit of action. And this is what I heard. Very comfortable on the ball. Um... Hull seemed to be just letting us play. I don't know how much we looked great in that opening 20 minutes, but here we go. Ball's gone into the box now, looking for a Fobe. It's gone to Fraser. Wilshire. Oh, oh nice. That's good. Yeah. Fraser oh, in the box. That's a definite pen. And you know what? He's got that little cheeky glint on his face like he did against Liverpool. That kind of cheeky, I knew that was coming. And, uh, and well, Stanislas stepped up with a penalty. And, oh, I tell you what, not a bad one. Sean, would you have saved that if you were a keeper? Hard to save that. Good, good hit. Nice and strong. Nice and high as well. Here we go. Watch your back. Oh, yeah, now too much pace. You're not getting on that, son. You are not getting anywhere near that. So at that point, Sam, everything looked rosy. 1-0 up. This was within the first few minutes of the game. Like, you couldn't ask for much, really, against the side bottom of the league. No, that's right. And I was actually reading tweets online, and there were some people, I can't remember who they were at the time, saying this is the best we've played for a long time. It's just dream football. And then there was another chance fashioned later on, and that was where um, Wilshire um, slammed a ball through, and then it found Stanislas, and then there's Wilshire again back on it, and Bournemouth doing their usual build-up play. Adam Smith on the right now. Have you got it at the same time as I have, Sean? Yeah, I've got a feeling you're a split second. My calculations might have been slightly out, but at this point, we're looking pretty comfortable. Harriatus. Oh, see, I didn't see that because being sports, the other issue with them at half time and full time, they didn't show any highlights. So this, folks, is also first time for me as Arta wraps one wide. I've been waiting for him to score one from outside the box for a wee while. Is that clip off the post, that one? I don't know. I think I thought it just went wide, but maybe not. Yeah, here we go. What's this? Mings with a cultured through ball. 
Afobe's in. He surely he's got to score this. He's got to. Uh, oh my uh, word! <laughs> he should have buried it. He should have buried it. And what he tried to do, he tried to put Stanislas through running on goal. But I tell you what, what would you have done? Because you're a goalkeeper, Sean, but you're also a seasoned striker. I remember you outscored me one season where we had our our mini kind of uh, Sam versus Sean off. I think if Sam, you were Afobe well, then, Sam, what you mean is I scored 76 goals in 112 games. I think is what you mean. Yeah, okay. So, but uh, yeah, Mings with a just he's just punted it long the, what is the defender doing a phobe here no he's not trying oh. to no, he's not trying to pass it he's just trying to score you know he's... what it comes off his shin before it comes off his foot look closely it hits it it kind of rolls down his leg but like that sums up horrible a phobe in the box on a lot of moments isn't it he seems to fall over or he just doesn't seem to be composed enough but we should have that should have been two nil that was a oh, oh they just snodgrass just popped one just over the crossbar when a phobe was one-on-one my coverage started as he was taking that snuff shot there where he just kind of mishit it and at this point this was my viewing pleasure basically from that minute on which was the 21st minute it just wasn't very pretty good kick out from the whole goalkeeper out wide right some nice football. We look at sixes and sevens. I mean, our, mid, our midfield shape had completely disappeared by that point. Um, Arta Boric, did he flap then? Should he have claimed that, Sean? Yeah, so the cross has come in. Firstly, my issue firstly was that was Smith should have, I think, gone to pressed him a lot sooner. He gave that guy far too much time to cross. As the ball comes in, it, it looks, it's a great cross, to be fair. It's coming in towards where Boric thinks it can go, but it whips away. I've got a question, Mings, on the uh, picking up. With that header, I mean, he's yeah. a big lad, isn't he? He's what six five or whatever he is. He just needs to dominate, and he got dominated. Here we go, corner yeah, for hole now, good. whipped in. Oh my goodness, Junior oh. Stanislas with a bit of a a bit of a terrible clearance, but Hull pick it up again. A long cross to the far post, and yeah, we do look at sixes and sevens there. Charlie Daniels looked a bit weak on the ball there, I must say, but uh, I, I, this is this is very unlike us. I mean, look at this. This is terrible. Oh, Sean, I might have to switch off at this rate. Harem scare him in the box. The ball's bouncing around. It's just. Someone needs to take charge there. It's gone into the box once. It's come back out. It's gone in again, and we've knocked it out wide. Hull now just kicked the ball out to JT on the sideline. Not sure why they did that. So Eddie, Eddie doesn't look happy at this point. Although does look very cold with his puffer jacket and his big heavy jacket on top. Here we go. Ming, challenge him. Watch this. Oh no! Is this is this the other? Oh my goodness! This is the right. This is the first time I've seen this, and you've got to say it was a very composed finish. Um, uh, you know, a, you know, a really good finish. But was Tyrone Mings giving him a bit too much space? I mean, judging by the views on Twitter, um, he certainly was. But yeah, he cuts inside, threatens to go one way, and then just ekes up a little bit of space on his left foot. And then, well, it was a great strike. And yeah, Arta Boric didn't really have a chance with that. But it's so strange when you're seeing our defence now. I've seen Bournemouth concede, and usually it's down to sort of individual errors. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say. That was specifically an individual error, but that sort of calamitous sort of period before that, it was very unlike Bournemouth. And then there's another chance that came in on the left foot. Who was that that time? Unbelievable. Yeah, and that one come from, and again, I, Boric, some, I think, seems to, I don't know whether he had a bit of a fallout of his defenders, but he was lined up to take a goal kick. All our guys were laying on the edge of our own box ready for a short one. And he ended up pumping it long, but he pumped it long before our defenders had pushed up. So as soon as we lost it, we were really deep. Which, again, just for me, it's just a bit of... It's poor organisation or it's just people getting a bit angry. It's a chance now for Hull. He's there again. Mings has given far too much space to cross. And to be fair, that guy, he's done a bit of a moussé. He's just headed it wide when he probably should have headed it in. But... It, I mean, there were a lot of people online blaming Tyrone Mings. I mean, can you really blame him, though? Uh, you know, a guy that by trade is left back or left wing back and he's being put into this new position that Eddie's trying to mould him into. Um, he did make a few bloopers by the sounds of it, got a lot of criticism online. But, I mean, would you be playing him again? Well, at the moment, we're, as we know, we're pretty light in that position, aren't we? So um, that's the issue that I think we've got. Uh, yeah, he... The highlights of the Millwall game, I actually 
thought for the goals, he didn't look like he was in the best of positions. But then the reports I read and from the, 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 oh, the game, he oh no, he's just Mings has just put it into his own net as I'm talking about him. It's a, <laughs> oh, a tyrant. It's a bad day at the office, isn't it? He's the only yeah, one of the Bournemouth guys who makes any effort to try and get on that. But was it going in any way? That's the question. There's three whole guys there. There's one guy in blue. That was not going in. But someone might have got a touch. And you can't really blame him for that. that I mean, the ball was hit at so much pace. Um, oh, dear. It's just... It's just dreadful when you're, you know, losing 3-1 at Hull. I was expecting the reverse at this point in the game. I mean, so at this stage, Sean, did you have any optimism at 3-1 with half an hour to go? Were you thinking Bournemouth can get back into this? We've done it before against Liverpool. Surely we can do it against Hull. Yeah, but that was the problem. We didn't really see any huge energy. I mean, Wilshire's had that chance now we've just seen where he's on the edge of the box and he's just hit it straight at the goalkeeper. It's like the goalkeeper's handed a back pass, but great shape and Wilshire was a funny beast like we kept him on because he's a guy that can make the difference I think he actually had his worst game I've seen him have for us he just he seemed a bit labored and his passes he was trying to make he was trying to make good passes but he wasn't putting the full effort into it so lots of passes just in that final third just didn't get to their intended target and he just looked a bit laboured and it was frustrating and then he had another chance that he's just put wide I think it was deflected that was a good bit of build-up play though wasn't it I mean Josh King obviously came on off the bench and he, he was instrumental in that chance laid on to Pew who then yeah, but more importantly put there, look here Pew that's a penalty yeah, that is a penalty. So Pugh that gets been chopped, a penalty. but because I think Wilshire gets the shot away, we've seen some refs have now they've taken that um, advantage rule and really dragged it out. There, he certainly didn't. It was where well, you've had your chance. If we hadn't have had that shot, surely that's a penalty. But we tried right near the end. To, we pumped the ball into the box. I mean, Stanislas was saying about how he felt we were putting the ball into the box too much, trying to go too direct. Yeah, I mean, we brought Wilson on to see if that made any difference and. We had a free kick out wide now. Wilshire's going to bend one in. Can we get on the end of that? No, it didn't even make an effort. And there's the full-time whistle. So, Sam, look at that. Look at what you missed. So that's the first time I've actually seen any of the goals, and that's the God's honest truth. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, that last minute of highlight reel that we just saw, that we didn't look too bad, and we posed a few few efforts. I, I was very impressed with Josh King just there with that brief glimpse. Obviously, I don't know how he played during the rest of the match, but he single-handedly created that chance for... Wilshire, I mean, I know he laid on to Pew. So, you know, part of me is thinking, should he be starting the next game? Because he's such a strong player. Um, I know Ryan Fraser's had uh, great moments. He won us a penalty there. But I'm sure we'll be speaking later on about who we want to be seeing on the wings. But I suppose the main cause of concern, Sean, is this three-goal conceding streak. As we heard earlier, Danny Murphy on Match of the Day was... Uh, he said, our position means that it's not so much of an issue. But if this sort of trajectory continues, it could be a scary run through to the end of the season. But, I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we've kind of been getting away with it a little bit, I guess, because we've been putting the goals in at the other end. I mean, if we'd have been done 3-0 by Arsenal and if we'd have been done 3-0 by Liverpool, well, then that probably would have painted a slightly different picture. It's funny because you look back at the goals and, you know, Boric has get you know there's some fans that are often very quick to jump on Boric and he's made some you know errors and whatnot but if you look back through I don't remember too many of the goals being goals that you immediately go oh well it's the goalkeeper's fault you know you couldn't really fault for the goals that that came in this this one from Boric that cross yeah, that's a quality cross for me it's a tough one for the goalkeeper but so it's not a clear error so, yeah, and then you say, well, you're bringing Mings, Mings into a defence that, that has been conceding a lot of goals, has remained relatively unchanged for a lot of those threes. It wasn't like we were changing every week, were we? We were trying to keep it fairly consistent. That's the worry. And as soon as we mm. don't look a threat going forward, then you're in trouble. And that, for me, was the story against Hull. One, I think we we were very slow at moving the ball. And I think partly because we had so much space in that first 20, 
did we just think, oh, yeah, this is just going to be an easy ride and we're just going to do this? And then they got the goal and then that was it. We just never had an answer. But we just, we never really looked like we were going to get back into it. And then players start running out of ideas. There were moments in the game where Wilshire's on the edge of the box and he's trying a little hook over the top to try and get past eight players to feed it through. And it's just a nothing ball, really, that goes out of play. And so it is... It's something that surely we have to look and we have to try and address this situation because as comfortable as we are and, and as easy as it is to say, well, don't get too down about it because we are still ninth or 10th or 11th or 8th or whatever. This league, I mean, as we've shown, that's the team bottom of the league and we've been pretty taken apart. We'll very quickly mm. see us dropping down if we don't resolve this issue. Yeah, there's a few interesting stats before we move on to the puns. Of course, that was Hull's first win in their last 10 Premier League games. As you know, we've conceded now three goals in seven of the last nine games. Uh, Arta Boric is the fourth Polish player to make 100 Premier League appearances. And Ryan Fraser has won three penalties in the Premier League this season, a joint highest figure with Deli Ali and Christian Benteke, which is which is unbelievable considering the amount of games he's actually played. Now, we always love your puns here on Back of the Net, and we certainly got a few. Uh, Sean, I'll be asking you for your judgment. Uh, Matt Hills, hull the hell for sour cherries as they are pipped by able tigers. Or an off day for cherries and baggies as they succumb to Cain and Abel. Okay, yes, 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 yeah, that's good. Quoting another fixture there, but I like what you did there, Matt. Uh, Ross Devonport. What the hull? Cherries mauled by tigers as new year misery continues. Uh, year being the kind of sound of someone being sick, I think. Yeah. Oh, Interesting yeah. one there. Nobby dog. <laughs> Pun, lions, tigers and mares. Oh, my. Okay. Oh, yes, um, yes, and- yes. That's good. That's good. That's very good. And um, just a few points. Um, Paul Kenwood said that Eddie's got some big decisions to make. The back four and Boric letting in too many goals. Or are we just not scoring enough? Well, Sean and I will certainly be discussing this a bit later on. Now, a lot of people are saying, but Bournemouth have come so far. Bournemouth have come so far. You've got to look at where we are. Well, another team that's come really far in the last few years, is our local neighbours, Pool Town. And they, like us, need a bit of financial help. So here's what you can do to make a difference. Pool Town are raising £70,000 to ensure that the football club can remain in the Vanarama National League South by meeting the ground grading requirements. They've struggled with ground grading issues since 1994 when they had to leave Pool Stadium and were unable to find anywhere suitable. They were migrants and had to share grounds with various local clubs. Now in order to move up leagues in the football pyramid, the ground had to meet the specified criteria for the new league. Being unable to build or expand meant they had been champions of the Wessex League for three years running before eventually satisfying the criteria for promotion to the Southern League South and West. And then after another few extraordinarily successful years, it saw Paul promoted last season as champions into what used to be the Conference South now rebadged as the Vanarama National League South. They've risen from Step 7 to Step 2 in 14 years. They've had five titles and two runners-up positions in the last eight season, And they are a community club with 30 teams below the senior side, including ladies, youth and ability counts team. Now, during all of this time, they've been searching for a more suitable permanent home whilst playing at Tattenham Field. This season, they have the opportunity to put in place new terracing and other upgrades to enable them to stay in the league. Although relatively minor, the upgrades cost money, and with the supporters' generosity, they've managed to start this work. However, they need £70,000 by the end of January if they're to have a hope of completing the work by the deadline of the 31st of March 2017. Now, being Bournemouth fans, we can all appreciate how good it is to have a rise in football. We came from the relative ashes in League Two and now look where we are. Paul Town, who knows, they could be on the same trajectory. If you want to donate, go to afcbpodcast.com slash pool. 
That will take you to the Just Giving page, and the page run by Pippa Daniels has already got nearly £4,000 worth of donations from 131 supporters. So please donate now. It's at afcbpodcast.com slash pool. So good luck to Paul Town and all their supporters. We certainly know how it feels, so wish you all the best. But now it is time to reveal the results of the retro shirt poll. So what's been happening is the club, towards the start of the season, released in the club shop the first of their retro shirt range. So there were some classics from the 80s that have been remade and available for purchase. Now, Gareth Davies, who writes for the programme and who is a self-confessed kit geek, he contacted and spoke to the club shop and also the media and comms department to say we wanted to run a poll so that we could give the top three shirts voted for to the club and they will consider whether those will be made as the next retro shirts to be sold in the club shop. So without further ado, we are going to do the countdown. But Sam, before we do a countdown, obviously we need to have the Top of the Pops countdown music. Hit it! Okay, so, okay, I won't do the accent, but in 10th place was the home 92-93 kit. The football under Pulis was dreadful, but we had that lovely Exchange and Mark Pizza Hut tablecloth shirt. Disgusting. Number nine. It was the home shirt from 2000-2001. Now, this one, well, it was famous because of Jermaine Defoe. He wore it well as he scored 10 in a row, but no one else wore that one well, let's be honest. And in eighth place was the away shirt of 96-97, the yellow coaches, blue and yellow halves. To be honest, I thought that was going to rank a lot higher than what it did. Now the next one in seventh place, now this was controversial, I cannot believe this didn't rank higher it's the away shirt from 1971-72 it's the green and black green and black stripes it looked awesome especially when super ted mac did that diving header at villa park but you guys don't want to see it back and in sixth place The sight of John Bailey rippling the Wembley net, still a moment that I'll always remember. However, it didn't make the top three. It was the special 1998 kit. Now in fifth place, just makes me think of Frank Rolling. I'm tearing up. It was the home 97-98. It was the shirt that got us to Wembley, although we didn't wear it at Wembley. With what? called the granddad collar you know with the white collar with the bottom up oh frank rolling i'll just have to remember him wearing it and not see anyone in the north stand this season wearing it and in fourth place was the away 1990-92 kit the best sidekick to an ac milan themed home kit is an interversion for the away and it was a wonderful combination that had also been revisited uh, since the early 90s but what a kit that was and that was my favorite by far sean it didn't make it it didn't sam and you can see the grin on my face across the world on the webcam because now we have hit the top three. These are the three that will be going to the club. And in third place, that's right, folks. It's an away shirt. It's from 93-94. It is the purple, blue, white, teal pizza slices. It's a thing of absolute glory. It's very much the marmite of the shirts you love it or you hate it or so we thought it turns out you wonderful AFC Bournemouth fans you have style you have taste third place it's the purple away shirt 
Sean Barker, your subliminal messaging over the past few weeks has finally paid off. Well done. And in second place, it's the home 1986-97. It's the championship-winning shirt worn by Harry Radnapp's glorious title-winning side from 30 years ago with Cooper Beers on the front. That came in at number two. It's lovely and shiny, and it deserves to be there because of the history. So well done. But in first place, and it was actually it was a fair bit ahead of everything else, it's the home shirt from 1994-95, the great escape season. Think Scott Mean, think Mel Machin, think Steve Jonesy Jones. Scores one goal, gets more and more. It's red and black stripes. It was really, it was absolute beauty. Good consistency of stripes. I think a thoroughly deserved winner. And that is the rundown from 10 to 1. So we will be giving these results to Gareth and to the club. And we're going to keep you up to date with what happens next. But fingers crossed, Sammy. We're going to see 10,000 people in that stadium wearing the purple shirt very, very soon. Yeah, just want to say thank you very much to everyone that got involved. It was a fantastic idea and uh, we at some point we'll definitely get behind a retro day at AFCB very soon. So you'll have a great chance to be wearing one of those beautiful shirts. This is Steve Jones and you're listening to Back of the Net. So Cherries will be entertaining the Hornets on Saturday at the Vitality Stadium. And it's always an interesting game against Watford because they're very, very close to us in the league at all times. And it's always a draw. But... Watford recently haven't been doing too great. I mean, they did get through to the third round of the FA Cup. They managed to get a draw at home with Middlesbrough on Saturday. But before that, they had a bit of a bad spell where they lost at home to Spurs, drew with Crystal Palace and then lost away at Sunderland. Don't worry, Watford fans. We know what that feels like too. So I really don't know what sort of match to expect. But there's a there's a weird sort of, I don't know, It's we're almost a parallel... Uh, team to Watford we're playing them on Saturday they then face Millwall the team that we played and then they're playing Arsenal and there's also a bit of rumour and conjecture regarding an AFC Bournemouth player Sean and that's Max Gradle and there's been rumours online so I've heard about him being linked with Watford now at the moment of course he's playing for the Ivory Coast in the African Nations Cup but what have you heard about this? Well, yeah, it seems to be picking up some speed. Um, it's been reported by the Daily Mirror, which means obviously it's 100% true. Or is it fake news? Fake news. It's all fake. Everything's fake. Anyway, I'm no Alec Baldwin. Um, but allegedly Watford are interested in Maxi Gradle and there's a figure of £3 million being spread around. So who knows whether that's true or not. I mean, Maxi hasn't featured much for us. I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to play football, but I mean, that I don't know. It still seems like it would be a good deal if that was to come true. But who knows, Sam, because the last 48 hours, well, it's, the word rumours and AFCB has come up a lot online, right? Oh, there has been. And this is a message to Ives Born Red on Twitter. Stop making things up because that's what you're doing. There's basically one lad on Twitter that's been tweeting out a load of stuff. And then obviously the furore based around his tweets then gets retweeted. And then people then start to think it is actually true. It's like um, back in the old days, I remember on the BOTW message board and there was this thread called How to Start a Rumour. And this guy has got it down to a T. Now, he says uh, what he says is genuine. Uh, there's a lot of fans who have since blocked him and muted him on Twitter. And it's regarding, firstly, apparently Ake's coming back. 
That's what he said. Uh, Nathan Ake, he saw them at Dean Court, apparently on Tuesday at 3.45, getting into his car. Right. He also says that we are in a very bad financial situation and uh, the stadium move statement was only trying to budge the landlord and council. Um, uh, we're selling all our assets. We've lost six million, £60 million. The club is skint. There's an interest from a Bahrain consortium. This is all from his dad. I tell you what, if I had dreams as vivid as that lad, I would be one happy chappy. But problem is with hearing these things on Twitter, I saw lots of people replying to these tweets, so I didn't actually see the original tweet. So you start to think, you know, this thing has got some gravitas. However, when you look back to the very start of the source, not so. And then you look at other websites as well, like Vital and other forums, and you start to think, mm, maybe not so true. But um, it has certainly got people talking, Sean. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the the thing about the stadium and the just trying to hold out, I don't know, I still wonder if there's still a bit of gamesmanship in that. I don't know whether Dean Court is done and dusted, let's say that. But, you know, that's another, I'm just going to start it wild, <laughs> spread it randomly. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely staying. Yeah, but who knows? It might be true. It might not. Let's see what happens. But Aki coming back. Uh, yeah, that would be, um, be pretty good. He was all right for us, eh? I mean, we were still conceding goals, though, with him. But I guess at least he was... It was like carbon offsetting. He was scoring at the other end. Mm. So that was that was bringing our average down maybe <laughs> per defender. But um, I mean, we've got a, yeah. How are we going to line up? Who's going to play? I saw that Lewis Cook played in for the reserve side um, tonight or this morning, if you're in New Zealand. Um, was it against Gosport and apparently scored a bit yeah. of a cracker. My rumour is Lewis Cook will start this weekend. And that is not just because he's on the back of my shirt and I need to get a return on investment. But um, I like the lad. I think he had a good bit of tenacity and he can play as well. So that's my... I'd like to see Lewis Cook start to freshen it up. But man, it's so tough, Sammy. You think, well, who are we going to play? Who are we going to line up? What are we going to do? I mean, obviously, uh, the first concern after watching that 10-minute montage, hellish, hellish montage, or hullish, should I say, um, uh, the defence is obviously um, an issue. Um, I'm not going to be one of those people who's going to uh, openly criticise uh, Tyrone Mings uh, because he's in a new position. I would like to see him get game time because he's so strong, he's so tall and he's pacey, he's fast, he's quick and he could be a real asset for AC Bournemouth. But whether he's going to be, uh, I don't know, I say this in quotation marks, risked this weekend, I don't know. I mean, obviously three of the back four picked themselves, um, Adam Smith, Steve Cook, Charlie Daniels. Whether he'll go for Mings again, I don't know. I mean, aside from the own goal, which I don't think you can do much about, people are saying the first two goals at Hull were basically his responsibility. I actually think the first goal, Arta Boric should have claimed it. But anyway, the second goal, maybe that was him. But would you play him? Yeah, but the thing is with that, I mean, yeah, it's easy to point at individual areas. I mean, think back to last year. There was a run of games when, I know we certainly discussed it a lot, where it felt like every goal we conceded, was Steve Cook's man and he just kept losing the player and and you look at Cookie now and you go he's pretty solid you know and then before Frano got sent off and got put to the stands for a few weeks there was a run of goals that you could easily say well they're France's fault and so he's gone out the side we're still shipping goal it's a it's a tough one to solve and how do you solve it with I mean you said it yourself three of the four pick themselves is that part of our issue at the moment? So is Brad Smith not knocking on the door loud enough to get a start at left back? Is he good enough to play at left back over Daniels or not? Who really knows? You know, who are we going to, are we going to go out and sign a, a defender that's going to come in? Do we need one? Do we need two? Are they going to make a difference? You know, Aki was a great defender and we were still shipping guys. It's a hard one to know. And it's hard to know how much of the, fault moving forward throughout the rest of the side do you pin in terms of our defensive frailties as well because I don't you know you you attack as a team and you defend as a team um going forward yep yeah, the we need to try and find a bit of a mojo again because we just ran out of ideas after about 22 minutes of the game against Hull we never got it back so it's a tough one for Eddie it is a tough one 
Um, what's going to happen this week? <sighs> Goal fest. We're going to mm. concede three again, but we're going to score three. It's going to be three, three, Sam, three all draw. Wow, that's an interesting one. Well, yeah, um, I can I can see where you're coming from in terms of the draw because that's what stats say. Now, my my concern, by the way, is in midfield. What's going to happen? I think Dan Gosling, when he's played recently, has been awesome. Um, Andrew Sermon, uh, yeah, he he does do well in games where we dominate the ball. But as Tom Jordan said on Twitter, when we don't dominate it, Dan Gosling um, is better. So I'd like to see him come in. I'd like to see King start. Uh, I'd also like to see uh, Jordan I'd get a game at some point, you know, because, you know, he did have a spell. Yes, he went bad, but he was good before that. A phobia up front. With all that combined, it's going to be a draw. Yeah, you're right. But I do <laughs> think it's going to be one all. Oh, so a defensive improvement at Dean Court. But we've both gone for draws. What do you think? Let us know on Twitter, on Facebook, through Royal Mail. Get it in the post now. Hi, I'm Michael Botto, and you're listening to Sean and Sam making some noise for the boys on Back of the Net. Just wanted to say thank you to everyone that's purchased a Back of the Net t-shirt recently. As you know, we are a free-to-download podcast, and Sean and I produce it from the goodness of our hearts each and every week during the season. Uh, Yeah, if you want to purchase it yourself, you can do so. It's at afcbpodcast.com forward slash shop and it's got eddie had a dream on the front it's black and it's beautiful and you can get it delivered within 48 hours so if you want one do pop onto our website Woohoo! and there is a bonus prize not sure what it is yet but a bonus prize if you are spotted from the live match day cameras in the stands wearing your eddie had a dream t-shirt oh, i don't know didn't sam will come around your house and he'll cook your dinner and he'll Bring a couple of tinnies of G&T for you to soak up. And we'll watch a replay of that Hull game. How's about that? (laughs) There's one way not to wear the shirt. But anyway, (laughs) thank you very much for listening once again. We do appreciate um, your ears. And if you are chatting to fellow Bournemouth fans, make sure you mention the podcast. And uh, they don't know what a podcast is. Just tell them it's a radio show and they listen on their computer. That's what I have to do sometimes. But yeah, we do value your ears and we'll be back next week for another episode of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Richie. Maybe on Walker. Pugh. Pugh! That'll do it! That will do it! Pugh for Bournemouth! But the gold sands is raised. Everyone here knows what that could mean to this football club. Sports Social Podcast Network.